Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Greetings and welcome to the Eastern Border. On our first episode of February, we have a special guest here, John Christmas, the author of the KGB Banker book, an established scholar of our region with close ties to it. And um, when I read about him at first, I was quite surprised because his story is something that I truly believe needs to be shared to the wider world, and it impacts quite a lot more than us who just live here in the eastern border. So welcome to the show, John. Hello, Christops. Thank you for uh, inviting me to the show. I believe that I do have something to contribute because there are things going on on the eastern border which people do not know about because they're not in the mainstream media. Well, well, as far as I understand, uh, this whole study is going to be about the bank, which I, a part of which I still am forced to use in my everyday dealings as well. So, as far as I know, you have been tied to the Parex uh, affair and everything that happened there. Let's first explain what, what, what the official story was and what's the Parex timeline and why does it matter? Okay, the timeline, I mean, this goes for years, but Latvia, or supposedly the Soviet Union broke up. Latvia became an independent country. However, a suspicious thing happened, which were that dozens of banks sprung up in Latvia, which seemed to support the KGB, that the people from the KGB, who used to be, you know, the secret police, set up a network of banks, not only a network of banks, but a network of tens of thousands of shell companies. The banks were in Latvia, but the shell companies were registered in whichever countries had the lowest disclosure requirements. And suddenly, hundreds of billions of dollars were like flowing around between the accounts of these banks. So this is a thing which previous journalists have called the Latvian proxy network, which still exists today. But that is something which needs to be discussed openly because it affects democracy in Latvia. So what was what was your role in all of this kind of story? And how did you end up at, at Parex in the first place? So I understand you were working there for a while. 
Well, my story is that I'm from the United States. I'm half Latvian. I went to fancy universities in the United States. I worked for two banks in the United States. I moved to Latvia to uh, get back to my roots and to be involved in the rejuvenation of the country. And I got recruited to Parex that uh, the people at Parex said that, hey, we're also making Latvia better. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of slander going around in the media about how we're the mafia and we're criminals and so forth. And if we have a Western person like you to meet the Western banks, that we'll be able to uh, expand our activities. And therefore, we'd like to hire you and it'd be a good for, thing for Latvia also. That's what I was told. Well, about the, the, the reputation, I mean, during the 90s, one of their advertising slogans was, we are closer than Switzerland. Which, um, yeah, uh, now looking back at it is kind of ironic if you think about it. Well, sure. I mean, I understand there were a lot of bad things going on in the 90s. I mean, about uh, like stealing people's houses, that they had a normal business of making mortgage loans where you would make a down payment on your house and get a mortgage loan from them. And then they would just transfer the title of the house to themselves uh, it didn't matter if you made the payments or not, and that they would do this uh, just to steal your house and uh, other things as well. I, I actually save clips. People send me messages all the time about how they had thugs and assassins, like beating people and killing people. I save like all the uh, messages I receive about this, but I understand they were not a normal bank. Well, they seem to be presenting themselves as a purely Latvian bank, and as we had bank issues before, well, it was a bit weird. How did your work impact the bank, and what did you do there? Did you actually manage to improve its reputation, or or did you notice that something bad was happening right away, or was it built up slowly? Good question. Okay, so I started at the bank. Uh, another thing happened around the same time, which is that the uh, the political party, Jaunais Likes, was uh, established which later became Viennutiba and now is called Jauna Viennutiba. But anyway, I started at the bank. I met a bunch of people. I've met almost every former prime minister and president of the country because uh, they all come to the bank parties. And then through this Jauna Viennutiba, I met Einar Srebshe and I met Christianus Karinj. And they were on this pledge that they were going to fight against corruption, that finally the corruption that has Taking over Latvia is going to be smashed because this Jauns Likes party is going to smash it. Yes, those are their promises. Yes. So so anyway, uh, I knew Krishanus Karinch. Actually, I was connected to him already through the American Latvian community. And his wife I knew also because she was a doctor in Riga. She was actually my doctor. And I, through the process of working at Parx Bank and attending meetings inside Parx Bank, determined that the bank was a pyramid fraud, that they were making loans to related parties. Now, making loans to related parties is the same as embezzlement. It means that you're transferring the depositor money to uh, yourself, to some offshore company. And uh, normally this is considered to be a very serious fraud and a very serious criminal thing to transfer the money out from the bank. And anyway, I gave all this information to Christian's currents, etc. 
I also read that Parag had some dealings with uh, Ernst and Young and Enron just before the collapse of Enron in 2002 as well, apparently. Is this tied to this? Okay, with Enron, I can say a few things. There's a fraud that was the cover-up fraud that was signed by Valdis Dombrovskis regarding the Parex collapse, which I have compared uh, in articles for years to the Enron fraud. That fraud is where Valdis Dombrovskis signed a deal to sell a stake in Parex Bank to the EBRD, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, for 80 million euros. That deal was supposed to prove that that stake was actually worth 80 million euros. However, it turned out that it was a fake deal because uh, a report got leaked out later that Latvia had to reverse that deal for a higher amount of money, except kept the reversion secret. So this is the kind of accounting that Enron was doing. So it's not that Parex was related to Enron, but their accounting was the same. You say that something is worth 80 million euros, it's actually worth zero euros. And the way that you maintain the fiction that it's worth 80 million euros is you pay somebody to buy it for 80 million euros, but the purchase is like public, but the reversion is secret. Oh, so you basically make someone buy your bank for these 80 million euros so that it would look like it's 80 million euros and then you secretly buy it back so that you've basically just purchased legitimacy of, of your of your statement that it costs something. It's called buying a name or uh, selling a name. In the case of the EBRD, the EBRD, which is supposed to be an altruistic organization fixing democracy in Eastern Europe, I mean, you can see how well they fix democracy by looking at uh, Belarus or Turkey or Azerbaijan or Kazakhstan to see how well they've been doing to fix democracy. That this organization came in, basically they covered up for five years that the bank had been looted so that the people who looted the bank were not prosecuted. But this is a fraud, according to Enron or according to uh, history, where when Enron was doing this to make their earnings temporarily seem better by selling something, and then it turned out that they didn't really sell it because they really had a secret reversion in the price. This is exactly what the Vienotibo party did, what uh, Dombrovskis did and Karnch did, and the two other names I'll give are the two other people who I gave the original whistleblowing to, Repshe and Repshevich. All of them know that uh, Parks was looted, and they paid the EBRD to pretend to buy a stake in Parex. All right, and then it was looted by whom? We, I've read some accusations about the ties of this money going to St. Petersburg-based uh, Russian mafia, really, even that criminal, which is interesting these days since uh, everyone right now is trying to cut funds for such organized crime and corruption. But uh, I've read some scary accounts on people saying that Parex and also investigated ABLV Bank, that they are connected to this Russian mafia, uh, Tambovskaya one in St. Petersburg, yeah. Okay, so this Tambovskaya mafia in St. Petersburg, somehow it was the springboard for Vladimir Putin to take over Russia. Somehow also it was connected to Latvia and connected to the banks and connected to the, uh, you could say, Russian intelligence. Because it's a characteristic of Russian intelligence that they link themselves to organized crime. They go around the world, not just to Latvia. 
They go around the world, they meet the organized crime bosses, and they connect themselves together with the organized crime bosses, which means getting involved with everything, not just uh, corruption and stealing money from banks and governments. It means trafficking narcotics, trafficking sex slaves, uh, selling weapons to rogue warlords, uh, all the stuff that they do. The Tambovskaya Mafia apparently got in connection with Parex Bank, and Parex Bank was doing the money laundering. And there are certain individual people who, uh, I don't know if you want to name them or else they might sue you for putting them on the webcast, but there are certain people who are organized crime bosses linked to Putin who received large loans from Parex, which they did not pay back, which the loans were designed so that they did not have to pay them back. I mean, they weren't really loans. They like sent $100 million to somebody who didn't have to pay it back. Oh, wow. And uh, so you, you blew the whistle on this whole thing. And why then did we, at the end, have to bail out products from our taxpayer money? Because everyone was really sad about that for a while. And wh- how did the Europe react to all this situation? How did the investigation go? <laughs> investigation? Well, uh, I mean, the whole thing was a disaster. So there were Latvian people, of course, who uh, realized that this was a heist, that the reason the government was giving billions of euros to Parex must be corruption. And uh, Ivar's Goodmanis was saying that the reason for this is because the United States caused Parex Bank to collapse. Uh, this was not true at all. And then there was this riot where there it started with an anti-corruption protest in Riga and ended with uh, people attacking the Parex offices and attacking the Saima as well. Those people understood that the government was lying to them. I mean, the United States had nothing to do with this. It was the money was stolen by people, criminals connected to Vladimir Putin, and uh, the United States had nothing to do with this. And most of the deposits at Parex were shell companies from shell companies originated in the rep offices in Russia and Ukraine, and there wasn't really a reason for the Latvian government to repay the money except possibly the hypothetical reason that the entire Latvian government was receiving bribes from the criminals. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at russansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to russansov.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast Brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So there was basically no reason to split off products into, uh, I don't know what, what they're called now. And there was this talk about splitting products into two and what one part being Citadella, which is still operating today as a regular bank. And then there's the other part. We were told that it was the good investments and the bad investments. They have been now split off and some sort of manipulations there. I'm not really strong with uh, finances. So could you explain how this splitting up happened and was it necessary even well, the splitting up was done in a worse way than how you describe it. Now, in other countries, in other countries that in 2008 were hit by the financial crisis and they had some banks that failed, they, some of the countries created a good bank and a bad bank, which is sort of what Latvia did. But Latvia did it with some important differences. Now, I understand that the personnel and the clients from the old Parex Bank moved mostly to three different banks. One bank is Citadeli, which is the official like good bank survivor from Parex. Another bank was Ukio Bank in Lithuania, which processed bribes that apparently went to Vladimir Putin and the assets were stolen from that bank as well. And there were even people from Parex who were involved in that. Another bank was ABLV Bank in Latvia, Eiskroglis Banka, which received a lot of people from Parex, received a lot of customers from Parex, apparently organized the looting of Ukraine and the looting of Moldova and uh, facilitating the North Korean nuclear weapons effort. All of that also involving people from Parex and accounts, clients from Parex who moved from Parex to ABLV Bank. That's where I see that the bank changed. Oh, well, this is a lot to take in, really. Uh, so how did you move through this? Did you follow the whole process closely? And, and, and what happened to you after you know blowing whistle on such weird deal dealings and, and strangeness well people send me information all the time i mean it causes a lot of stress to me and i wouldn't be adverse to being removed from the whole process and not being involved with it at all anymore but the thing is is since the whistleblowing giving the information to the government where the government decided to instead of use the information to save money they decided to fight against me to cover up the information by spending money to bail out the criminals it turned out very different from how I thought. But nobody has ever, in all the years that have gone by, sent me a message that said that, John, you're wrong. And here is like information which shows that the fake deals that you think happened did not really happen and so forth. Instead, I keep getting uh, more supporters, people who say that, listen, you did not even know the beginning of the crimes at Parks. that Parks was involved in this and this and this and this, and uh, that there were even more criminal things happening that I didn't even know about. So I've become this like repository where people are sending me all this information about these, all these crimes, all this money stolen, and you know nobody investigates it, but I just put it up online. I, I also worry about because uh, I watched one of your videos on YouTube and there you spoke about some weird things happening in EU. 
where they changed the law to make operation that was illegal legal later on or something? Oh, well, this is something also. You catch everything. So I'm, I'm very happy that you have uh, researched into this because there are some weird things happening where you wonder, you know, if Vladimir Putin controls the entire European Union. So the person who signed the deal to sell a stake in Parex Bank to the EBRD for 80 million euros was Valdis Dombrovskis. Now, he was at that time the uh, prime minister of Latvia. So ever since it's been revealed that this was a fake deal, that actually he paid them 198 million euros in order to pay 80 million euros to buy the stake. So it was a fake privatization. He's been somehow super successful in the European Union. He is now the European Commission executive vice president, and he is in charge of, they have these titles, which are so beautiful, like equality and ethics and so forth. And now he's in charge of the anti-money laundering for the European Union. So uh, how can a person who has set up this fraudulent deal to help Vladimir Putin's money laundering bank falsely uh, cover up the looting, then he suddenly becomes the head of anti-money laundering for the European Union? I mean, this is something that people should investigate for sure. It should be in the media for sure. And it's not just speculation. I mean, he signed that deal. It's on YouTube. Uh, Clear evidence is that he signed that deal and that deal was fake. So why is he at the top of the European Union now? Seems kind of uh, interesting, really. This gives me a much deeper look at all of our politicians, which we have had issues for a while now, since sadly we haven't had any prime ministers who wouldn't be involved in some sort of a scandal or another. Do you think that somehow the Latvian people get our money back that was spent on saving products or that we can somehow salvage some of this going forward? Do you have any advice on what our government should do, maybe, that we should, I don't know, petition for them to do? Well, I do have advice. I am a Latvian citizen, and I am patriotic about Latvia, and I'm very sad about the extreme corruption which has taken over the government for the past 30 years, which is supposed to be a happy time of freedom, but instead has been a time of corruption. A very obvious thing that Latvia could do, and this has been, the information has been out for 12 years already, to sue the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development to give back the uh, money that they stole. So that institution, by making this deal with Valdis Dombrovsky, is to pretend to buy a stake in Parex Bank, which really they didn't because it got reversed back later. That has set up a huge fraud, which has protected the oligarchy in Latvia for years longer, caused Latvians to lose tons of money because they could have not only the money they paid to the EBRD for that fake transaction, but also the money that got stolen from Parks. A lot of things can be revealed from that. And in fact, not only for Latvia, but also for other countries as well. There's a lot of really important things that can be done if anybody in the Latvian government will complain that the EBRD screwed Latvia, which they did. So why do you think no one's really working on this? I mean, are they afraid of Putin's mafia? Are they afraid of their ties to it? Do they have such ties? It seems weird. I mean, if you if you look at some sort of at least opposition candidates who would want to come into the office and solve the situation, you would think that this would be kind of a weapon of theirs, right? They could come in and at least you know run for office saying that they will look into this matter and that they will complain to, to the European 
commission and stuff. Well, I would think so. I mean, the stories that I hear are so wild that they're like beyond what I almost can uh, imagine. Latvian people routinely send me messages. I get a message almost every week from a different person about this. That listen, the Russian government is threatening to kill the entire Latvian government, and the Latvian government needs to surrender to the Russian government because they have no choice. And this is part of the Parex bailout. I anyway would say that, for example, with a particular person like Christianus Karinc, who knows about this from the beginning, and I know him and I know his wife, that he should not be afraid to talk about this openly. He's a United States citizen. He could even go to the United States if he thinks he's going to get killed if he stays in Latvia. He apparently, his wife received six million euros from an associate of Vladimir Putin after my whistleblowing, which he participated in covering up. So this makes me wonder, like, okay, so he is American and he's Latvian and he's got six million euros to his wife from Vladimir Putin, that this is the sort of thing that he could have, if he's getting threatened, if this was not voluntary that he made this deal, but this was like a matter of death threats, that he could call the United States government and go back to the United States and get protection there to tell the truth about what's happening to Latvia. Yeah, this this whole thing makes me wonder a lot because for one, we have gotten in trouble with Putin's regime quite a lot and because of our show and and we've done quite a bit of reporting about what he's doing and and, and it seems kind of sad that our own government is involved in this this whole situation. Oh, okay, I can say things about how it's been turned around the story from my perspective. Some of it is from the American Latvian community. Okay, yeah, please do, please do. So, of course, about uh, 10% of the Latvian people in the entire world are in America because of the end of the war that, yes, 10% of the population ran away and they went to the United States. But uh, there's this American Latvian population. They believe that Krishan's courage is on their side because, uh, you know, because he's American, he's Latvian also. But they don't seem to really understand what's actually going on. And this whole mafia of moving, apparently the amount of money is something like $100 billion per year through these shell companies at these uh, fraudulent banks is somehow the core of the Putin regime, that the Putin regime is about maintaining this mafia system where there are certain billionaires who have huge amounts of money and they try to undermine all the countries around the world. This has all been sort of done through Latvia and through the Latvian banks, and the American Latvians don't seem to realize it, this, and they can't believe that their country is on the same side with Putin. So this is something shocking. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm just gonna to recommend uh, everyone everyone listening to this show to go and, and check out more information by, by John. But, uh, well, this has been a lot of information. But please, we still have some... Some minutes going forward. So, uh, if you if you like, you can talk about your book. What's 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 the KGB backer about? Yeah, I'll talk about a few things which I have. There's a website which I started years ago called LawlessLatvia.com. That website is not managed by myself anymore. There's a different Latvian activist who manages that website now. But that has a lot of articles about things which often are not mentioned in the Latvian media, which are about corruption in Latvia. Uh, there's another thing which is on YouTube called Latvia V E B R D. 
So the EBRD, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, is one of the biggest enemies in Latvia, ironically, because it's supposed to be helping democracy in Latvia. But that YouTube channel, Latvia v. EBRD, has explanations of the fraud, how Parix uh, and the government ripped off the Latvian people. Then another thing, the most recent thing, which I'm most excited about, is the KGB banker thriller novel. So together with a co-author, William Burton McCormick, who published a previous novel that was very popular in Latvia called Lenin's Harem, uh, together with him, we came up with a novelization. It's not with the same names and so forth as the real story, but uh, inspired by the real story of the looting of Parex Bank and the cover-up of the looting of Parex Bank. We have this book out called KGB Banker, which is available on Amazon. Well, this is going to be an amazing ride. Do you predict something actually will will change and how it actually might change for us? Do you think that we actually can elect someone who will take care of the situation and do something? Or, or does the generation need to change or is everyone involved? Well, it seems like there's going to be a war is one thing that seems. I mean, the EBRD it makes not only these fake investments in Latvia, it makes in uh, Belarus, Turkey, Kazakhstan, in these other countries, Azerbaijan as well. I mean, you could say that the entire region of Russia and Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan and Turkey and Belarus and Ukraine, all these countries which are touched by this development bank, are going to have a big war. I mean, this is the direction that we're going toward. I mean, I would prefer that it would not go in the direction of having a war, but rather we would just, uh, in a civilized way, shut down this development bank, announce all the fake privatization deals that it's been involved with, and to defund it. And that would be a way to solve the problem. And then, of course, a big problem is just Putin and Russia and what is going to happen with Putin and Russia. I mean, it's a nightmare, of course, that Russia became a free country and uh, their leader became a mobster. Uh, this Putin is not a democratic leader. He's a mobster. And uh, where is that going to lead? I don't know. It can't last forever. I mean, he's a human, so we'll see. Well, for the first time ever, uh, as, as we noticed, because I watched also his New Year's speech, for the first time ever, he was actually wearing a bulletproof vest under his coat in, in this year. This is surprising. Haha. And I think there's a few different ones of him also. I mean, they say as well that the person who you were watching might not have been him because maybe it was a double. <laughs> I for sure I'm certain that he definitely has some body doubles and because uh, I made an episode about it a, a while ago and that got me on the the Russia's troll list but well I think I think it was a year ago when he gave a supposedly gave a speech in Crimea and then 2 hours later in Vladivostok and uh, <laughs> there is literally zero planes on planet earth uh, which Russia owns that can make the trip. That's exactly. No, it's, uh, you know, how this Vladimir Putin has taken over half of the world is a very sad story. But hopefully Latvia can shake through from this, but they need to wake up to certain things. Yeah, thank you, John. And, and it was nice to have you on the, on the show. And I hope that more people will go and check out your work and more people get informed about this. Thank you. And, and thank you for being on the show. Okay, thank you. Yeah, signing off. Uh, I encourage everybody to look at KGB Banker on Amazon. Thank you 
for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Thank you.